you. Well, you know, um, it's interesting because we, we have a friend that we meet with every once in a while, and he kind of gave us a, a, a deadline into writing. We were just talking about, about our stories, basically, yeah. and we were all kind of sharing and and just uh, we had some common experiences, and he was, like, encouraging, you need to really write these down, you know, and just to, to, as a point of reference and just because, you know, you can God uses our experiences. He never wastes an experience. So we've each had a deadline because we need a deadline. Absolutely. To get things done. We can't have it open-ended. So our he gave us assignment. Yes. So he gave us a date and, um, and to follow. So, of course, my temperament, I... It was all in my head. I kept writing in my head. But, like, every time I would go, okay, this is the time I've carved out. I'm going to sit down and write. I would see something in my house that needed cleaning. I would see a little project that, you know what, this would be a good time to take care of that project. So I found myself um, go. I, I got a lot done. Let me just say, I got some projects done that went normally because I was avoiding writing. Yeah. And sitting down to write. Well, it's interesting, too, because that, that also goes back to the temperament. When you're a high chai, chais have a tendency to procrastinate through other things. Well, like, if you don't know what a chai is, you need to get on our website and see our personality temperaments because you're talking about a temperament. And we put the temperaments in this coffee personality, and we have the espresso, the chai, the mocha, and the latte. And um, we just went off course on what our show is all about. But when you said that, it just made me go, okay. No, that it really is about what is your story and who are you? Yeah, and that is part of your story. And to be aware of that, that you will get a lot done when you have a deadline because it's like, well, all this other stuff needs to get done as well. And we always laugh about that because whenever we have a huge deadline, I have a tendency to brush my teeth because it's the one thing I can control, and you have a tendency to vacuum. <laughs> exactly, because it's that instant gratification. I can see instant results. And so I, I have to clean up floors when, I have a, when I'm working on a big project. So it, it is really funny about and. And what is that? We know we laugh about like the temperaments that you and I are so passionate about discovering your temperaments, how you're wired, and how that affects us. I have learned so much about myself. Just like I tend to procrastinate because that's kind of part of my temperament. That's part of the characteristic of that temperament. And that was really freeing to understand that because then I go, okay, I have to be aware of that. That that can be a tendency of mine. Mm-hmm. And because we don't even realize, we just think it's normal or what we're mm-hmm. doing. And so mm-hmm. just to be aware of. Okay, this is something I need to fight. This is going to be a tension to be managed. It's a part of your life. story. It's mm-hmm. a part of my story, and it affects my story and how I interact and how I relate with others. Well, it's funny because the mocha temperament, which always wants to play and always wants to be with people, my youngest is high, high mocha. And what I have found is it's the same thing with, with you and I as well. When you and I are together, which every day, <laughs> if we're together, we have a tendency to crank because if someone is here with you, you will crank it out. And um, it drives me insane with my daughter that I will tell her to go clean her room. And it's really good to know this about your kid. And and I'll go in there and she's playing. But if I sit in there and I could literally be sitting in there getting something done, I could be sitting in there reading. I just have to be in there. And as long as it's like you have that people, you know, like accountability, she will get the room clean. And so I have found that if I just put someone in there with her and she can feel like she's playing and cleaning, then it's, it's a whole different. You just give her a time frame. Once again, give her a deadline and um, just have somebody there to, to, to find that temperament. Um, you get things done 
if I'm sitting here, but if I'm not here, you have 5,000 other things you can accomplish. Well, because I like to do a little bit of everything at the same time, so it's hard to stay focused. Okay, well, talking about our stories, I just read an interesting book, um, and it was by Dan Allender, and it's to be told, and it's just about your story and, and the significance and the power of our stories, which we know and we hear. And, you know, we're reminded again that that's how Jesus communicated so much was through stories, through parables, and stories are powerful. And and I, I know we both, like, if we go hear somebody at a conference or or speaker, we hear something, and so this somebody starts telling their story, you lean in. Because mm-hmm. there's something really powerful and very personal about it, instead of just giving the facts all the time. And so we really come to understand that we really need to learn how to tell our stories mm-hmm. in a significant way that really impacts you. are not telling people what to do. You're just saying, here's my story, that your story can be motivating just in itself to somebody. But so who's, who's the, um, your author that you just love? He was a Catholic priest. Oh, um, Brennan, Brennan Manning. And Henry Nowen. Henry Nowen. That's mm-hmm. who it was. He has a quote that um, talks about you don't really remember those that gave you advice and preached at you so much as you remember the one that took the warm cloth and wiped the wounds. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was really interesting because it's true. You might hear great messages and um, you, you slowly, you know, the wisdom of hearing people around you, their advice. But I know that's one thing my, my mom did. She would always share it in a story, and I think that's a great tip. When you come alongside someone, if you're saying you need to or I would do this or you should, those are all like red flags almost. Mm-hmm. But you come along and you are wiping their wounds. Not that you always have to come along and just, you know, like pat the victim and go. But if you go, I understand what you're going, or I can't understand what you're going through, but I can't imagine, and you're there just to, and then share a story, it's it's a significant difference than when you're trying to clean them up and pat them on the back and tell them what to go do. Well, and one of the interesting things about story is you can't refute somebody's story. It's mm-hmm. their story, mm-hmm. and it's, it's what happened to them. And, and the problem is I think a lot of times in the Christian community especially, um, we invalidate other people's stories, or we, we criticize their stories, or we judge them, and we judge people's stories instead of going, allowing them to share their story and their experience and validate them in their story and learn from their story. Yeah. And uh, I know today, coming up on the show in just a few minutes, we're going to have an amazing man that has a very intriguing and amazing story mm-hmm. to share, and it, it is... It, we we both love learning from other people through their stories mm-hmm. and understanding it and, like I said, validating because we learn quickly, especially as women, that um, a lot of times people don't want to hear our story. Mm-hmm. And if you start going there and being vulnerable, that, that word vulnerable is really uh, something we run from because as soon as we start being vulnerable, a lot of times people will – They'll either shut our story down, they'll critique our story, they'll judge our story. And then as women, we learn, okay, my story is not safe to be told, and so we shut it down. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is we shut down to other people, but we shut down to ourselves. Yeah. And and then we, we bury it, and then we, we shut down our emotions, and we just think, you know, my story doesn't matter anymore. Well, and if you take that, and like you said so many times, you know, as Christians, we have a tendency to, to be more critical or, or to be judgmental. So if a non- 
believer, an, a non-Christian, is sharing something with you, and you immediately go into, well, let me tell you what Scripture has to say about that. That's what we feel like we need to do. We need to be bold. We need to take a stance. We need to breathe in truth. We also have to have discernment and pray for wisdom that maybe that's not the right timing because they're not ready to hear the the truth, or maybe you share the truth in a story versus, well, this is what it says, and this is sin, and this is, you know, and we just, we get so critical rather than going, this is the time just to wipe the wound or listen, and then have that relationship with them that they can see the Holy Spirit just in being around us and pray that the Holy Spirit will guide them and help them out. Well, we are so quick to judge others before we understand their story and understand their experience and what they've been through. And and I think that's just a really important thing to just remember to go, I don't know, I haven't walked in your shoes, mm-hmm. so I don't understand, you know, where you've been. And to just come alongside people and go, I, I just want to hear your story. And that's the question we always ask. Tell me your story mm-hmm. to people that we meet. And, and it's really intriguing. It's embarrassing many times because sometimes you'll come up and say, tell me your story, and they'll be halfway into it, and then I walk up and rudely will say, okay, so tell me your story, and I start asking the exact same questions that you've asked. <laughs> well, we both love stories. Well, you know, a couple of questions when you're trying to understand your story is, is like what we said earlier, where do I begin in telling my story? And I think just a couple of things to ask yourself is, what deeply moves me? What am I passionate about? How can God use my story for the sake of others? Because God comes alongside and he co-authors our story with us. And he's, he's, in, the, he's in the book with us, mm-hmm. you know, so to speak. Um, I think other, another question to ask yourself, what have I learned from my life experience that can help others? Mm-hmm. And, and, and a lot of times we look at our life experiences and we only see shame and we only see guilt instead of going, okay, God wants to use my story to impact others and help them in their journey uh, and maybe if I can help them in any way to provide that hope and healing. And then, who am I? That's a hard question. Sometimes you have to ask another person. I've had to ask you a lot of times, I, okay, who am I? I think this day, yes, it is so important to ask somebody else, uh, especially, you know, what are my gifts? Where do you see my strengths? I think that is so important to ask somebody else um, who you are in your story. And, and, you know, just like you said, God is with us in that story. Let him be the author of it. Let him allow him to really take control of it. That always that always sounds so trite. But well, as I said earlier, I just finished this with by Dan Allinger, and one of his quotes is, first, God is not merely the creator of our life. He is also the author of our life, and he writes each person's life to reveal his divine story. When we return, we'll be joined by our first guest, Alan Chambers, who is the founder of Exodus International, and you're going to find his story very intriguing. Remember, as we go into today's show, your story matters, every story matters, and we need to be telling our stories and sharing our stories so God can use them for the benefit of others. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Girlfriend on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these.
My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Get ready to have some fun with some brand new insights from science. Join us for the radio show of scientist Oe Nandi. Born of Indian and Swiss parents, this linguist and biologist authored the book Human Language Evolution and will tell you the story of human history, why it began in Africa, and why there arose blonde people. How America was populated. And we'll be answering some much more similar thrilling questions. Scientist Owe Nandi is here to simplify the complex and to give us insight into our history and maybe even share one of his poems from one of two publications. Join us every Wednesday at 12 noon central on TogiNet Radio for an insightful show with host, scientist, and poet Owe Nandi. Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. And welcome back to our show this day. We are talking about your story. And joining us now is our special guest, Alan Chambers, president of Exodus International. And in 1991, Alan chose to fully embrace and, and um, just uh, an identity with Christ as a focus, uh, just rather than based on a set of struggles or temptations. In 2001, he became the president of Exodus International, and he has been an accomplished speaker and writer. Alan has been interviewed by every major global media outlet, which we are considering ourselves one of those global media outlets as we interview him. Um, and he has uh, been in all kinds of, of uh, magazines, World Magazine named him their 2011 Daniel of the Year, which I love that title. Uh, he has also been listed as one of the top 30 evangelicals representing the future of the American church. He is the primary author for God's Grace and also the book The Homosexual Next Door, with a, a third book, Leaving Homosexuality. So welcome, Alan. Thanks for having me. Well, Great to be here. We are talking about um, just sharing your story and how God is, is wants to be the author of our stories, wants to help us through the chapters, and you have a phenomenal story. So we are going to start there with just sharing your story of how you um, went into starting Exodus. Well, I actually didn't start Exodus. I um, joined, uh, I, I became a part of Exodus probably about 13 years into, 15 years into their existence, um, I, and I've been a part now for 22 years. Um, but I got involved in Exodus as a college student. I was 19. I'd grown up in the church, and like so many people who grew up in the church with a, a secret, um, I, I kept a secret that I had same-sex attractions, that I was um, for all intents and purposes, the gay kid um, sitting in the congregation um, every Sunday, Wednesday, um, during youth group or big church or, or you name it, 
Um, and I was the kid with, with a secret who was afraid to share that secret because I heard the way church people talked about the issue of, of homosexuality, and I was afraid to share my story and uh, got involved in Exodus through a series of events um, in college and was so grateful for uh, a Christian ministry that allowed me not only to share my story but acknowledged it as one that was very common in the church and allowed me to um, just be who I was in the midst of trying to find out um, who God was going to be in the midst of that story and pursuing him. Okay, I I have to just back up because it just seems like in the last year, I mean, obviously you've been doing this for several years, a couple of decades, um, but in the last couple of years, I don't know if it's been Lady Gaga with, you know, Born to be Bold and and just with the uh, same-sex, you know, marriages, but so many kids I have noticed in the youth are coming out saying that they're struggling with being gay, that you're even in, you know, our church and in our youth group. Um, what what would be the, the saving grace? We're just trying to figure out how do you how do you talk to these kids without making them like you said, you you didn't want to you would rather keep the secret than expose that when you know how people are looking at you. Well, I think we talk about it in the way we talk about our own stories. And I think so often in the church, we create a hierarchy of of sin. We create a special category for certain types of sins, and we talk about those things in ways that we don't talk about the things that we struggle with. And and I found that to be so true in the church that that we're that we're so um, often guilty of of putting God into a box when it when it comes to certain types of struggles um, that that others have. And and I think that that's something that we have to do differently. We have to look at people who have same-sex attractions and who are gay and lesbian in the same way we look at ourselves, realizing that we all need a Savior. We all um, need a, a relationship with Christ. We're all on a, a journey, um, especially as believers, um, toward a life of holiness. And, and the the journey that you're on isn't different than the journey that I'm on. And I think when we in the church begin to embrace our own stories and see them as equal to everyone else's story, um, that's, that is going to create an atmosphere that allows people to really share their stories and, and own the fact that they are um, who they are and struggle with, with what they struggle with. I think it'll, it'll create a, an atmosphere in the church um, that allows for transparency, allows for openness and honesty in a way we haven't seen it before. You're absolutely right. And, and we have, I mean, historically, the church has not been a safe place for your story, especially if your story involves homosexuality. And uh, I know several years ago, Patty and I were uh, speaking to our, our ministry for women, and we, were, we had a gal, when we started our ministry, we called it Girlfriends. Uh, a decade ago, and actually on our website, we had a gal that contacted us and said, I am looking for, you know, my, my soulmate, my girlfriend. Obviously, this is not the site you were about, you know, the Lord, and, and so it was obvious she was, you know, same-sex attraction, so she was looking for a different type of girlfriend, And but we contacted her and we said, hey, you know, we would love to talk to you more, and, you know, what's your story, and where do you live, and it it, she ended up living, like, you know, three miles down the road. She could have been anywhere in the world, but she was three miles down the road. And so we asked to meet with her, and she said, you know, we'll meet, I'll meet with you as long as you're not going to 
beat me over the head with, with your Bible and tell me everything I've done wrong because I've done that route before with people in the church. And sadly, that's a lot of the story that you hear. And so we were able to just meet with her and talk to her and uh, over the course of time just love her. And, and she, you know, it was the Holy Spirit that transformed her heart and, and worked on her. But we one day we were, we were presenting to a, a group of, of uh, women, and we had her come and just kind of share her story a little bit. And I'll never forget because a, a woman that was probably in her 50s at the time, she had had a son that was in our youth group, you know, 10, 10 years prior. And she came up and she said, you have given me permission for the first time. I have to tell you something. And she proceeded to say, you know, our son is gay. And I've never told anybody because I didn't know how I would, what kind of response I get. But the fact that you're up here talking about this and, you know, and our, and our friend was talking about it, she goes, I feel like I can now share my story. And it's the first time I've shared my story. And as a result of that conversation and that meeting, she and her husband started a support group at our church for parents um, dealing with this and how do we talk to our children, how do we encourage each other, and to really take away the shame. Can you kind of talk about, I, uh, I can only imagine back, you know, a few years ago when you were dealing with that, just the shame that was probably projected on you by others, especially in the church. Absolutely, and, and I, I resonate with that so uh, deeply because it, there is a lot of shame. There's, there's a lot of fear, fear that, um, that my story is different than anyone else's story. Fear that God will treat me in a way that he doesn't treat other people. And, and I think that that's, that's something that fuels our struggles is the issue of shame. It fuels our um, uh, the darker side of, of who we are. It fuels um, sinful struggles that, that we're involved in. When we feel shame and hide in secrecy and hide in the darkness, nothing good can come of that. And I think there are far too many um, young people like I was and, and even people my age and, and older and certainly parents sitting in congregations who feel deeply ashamed that this is their story when that's not that's not biblical. That's not of God. God doesn't want us to feel ashamed um, over these things that really we can't control. Um, he wants us to, to boldly bring these things to the throne of grace. He wants to, to give us freedom. He wants to, to give us the ability to share our stories, our true stories, um, with, with people. And I think that that's really where I see the, the future of the church, the only future that the church um, can opt into um, is being able to boldly and honestly share the reality of their lives, the messy stories um, that are a part of every one of our lives. And until we give people the freedom to do that and then and take up that, that mantle to do it, um, I think that we're going to continue to be um, a very handicapped church and a, a church that doesn't bring a lot of new people into it or compel a lot of people on the outside to be a part of us. In fact, I think it will compel more people to run from us like I did um, as a 19-year-old kid. And I find that to be um, contrary to the story um, that God has for his church, that God has for his bride. He wants us to be bold. He wants us to compel people um, to come in because we're um, the most loving and most accepting and most honest group of people on the planet. Okay, Alan, I have a, a personal question for you then. If Okay, so you're an 18-year-old boy, and you've grown up in a Christian home, and you want to have a guy over for dinner. Um, 
as a parent, how would you how would you deal with that? This is someone who feels shamed. He now has you know stopped going to church. Uh, I love what you said about you know you start hiding that that darkness. Nothing good can can come of that um, because you feel like God's going to treat you differently. So then you just kind of embrace it and go, "This is who I am. I'm I'm going to move forward with this." As a parent, how do you deal with that? Well, as a parent, you know, I, I think that there are there are a number of ways you deal with it. You know, so many moms and dads feel like because of the the church culture that they've grown up in that they must reject their kids, that they need to to put down um put down their foot um and say this is absolutely not going to be um allowed in our house or um in our family. And and if you're dealing especially with an adult child, um you know, that, that that does more to alienate um, and destroy a relationship rather than foster um, the ability to um, to bring God into that relationship. And so, my advice to parents is, as a family, talk about this. You know, talk about it with your with your gay child. Um, hey, this is something that's difficult for us. It's uncomfortable for us. I disagree um, from a, a biblical standpoint on these issues, and yet you are my child. And I want to honor you, and I want to have a relationship with you. So we're going to need to have conversations about this. We're going to need to work through um, the the discomfort of this situation and come to a place where we can have a relationship that is mutual and respectful and honors one another. And so often what I find parents do um, that they feel like is is compromising their values but really isn't is I see them – decide, okay, we're going to love our child no matter what, and we're going to love the people that they love, and we're going to embrace them and embrace the people um, that are in their lives. It doesn't mean we have to agree with what our kids are doing. What it means is we value the relationship above all else, um, and we have well, an opportunity. Sorry, go ahead. No, great point. So we're going to have to take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about that. It, it is significant that we do honor our children and honor their stories, and that's a great point. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we'll continue our conversation with Alan Chambers, President at Exodus International. This is Girlfriend on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90-plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one-of-a-kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Connect with Juliana and connect with what lies beneath. Friday afternoons at 4 or 3 central on toginet.com. Juliana is certified as a life coach who wants people to connect. Connect with what lies beneath those truths and answers. And through her counseling practice, she has helped others find their personal power and fulfill their dreams. And she wants to do the same for you here on Connect with Juliana. 
through intimate discussions, intriguing subject matters, and the expertise of her guests. For more on Juliana and her show, check out her website, connectwithjuliana.com. Juliana will cover it all. Nothing is off limits. She wants to know what matters to you. Make the connection. Tune in to Toginet to connect with Juliana to find out the facts that could be hidden beneath the surface. Connect with Juliana on Toginet to make a quality connection in your life. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back to our show. That was like I went uh, Minnesota. <laughs> we are talking with Alan Chambers. He's the president of Exodus International. And, Alan, we went into a commercial break with just talking about as parents, we want to honor our children. We want to let them know how much we love them and uh, how we want to love those, their, their friends and those relationships. And, and I do think that's so significant. And yet it's so hard to um, – we're accepting them. But like you said, especially when you're dealing with an 18-year-old because they're an adult and we want to honor their choices, what, what other advice do you, do you have from there? Do you let them bring their date over to the, the house? How where? And I know everything is situational. But what would be just like a generic answer to that? Yeah, you know, you know, for for your adult children, um, and I, I think there is a difference with um, with kids who aren't adults, and, and we can talk about that in a second. But for your adult children, I think if you can get to the place um, where, again, you um, love the people that they love, that you you love your kid regardless. You know, so many parents, um, you know, when their kid says I'm gay, they say I. I you know, even to themselves or in their prayers or to their friends, they say, I, I didn't want a gay kid. And the fact of the matter is, you know, I, I was reading the story of a, a dear friend this morning who lost her gay son about four years ago, and she said, all the years that I prayed, I don't want a gay son. She said, now I don't have a gay son. And she said, I'd give anything to have my gay son back. Ooh, and so I think wow. that that's really the perspective that we must have as Christians. You know, of course, we have these hopes and these dreams for our children um, and so often, more often than not, our kids don't fulfill the dreams that we had for them, whether those are big dreams about a college they go to or a sport they decide to play or a career choice, or whether they're really big issues like um, issues related to sex and sexuality. The fact of the matter is God's giving you these kids. Love them no matter what. Love them where they're at. That doesn't mean you have to agree with everything they do or say, but they're your kids. And I think that that's that's really the perspective that we encourage parents to take um, on, on this and in any other issue. You have a kid there, love them where they're at. That is the only opportunity, um, the only the the best opportunity you have um, to be in relationship with your kids. It doesn't mean you you won't have um, conversations um, that are difficult and and where you get passionate and and hear their passion. Um, related to, to the issues that you might disagree on. But love your kid. Invite their, their friends to be a part of, of your family. Invite their partners to be a part of your family and a part of your lives. doesn't mean there won't be messy things that you have to talk about, but that's true of any situation. Um, mm-hmm. And I, my encouragement is to, 
to go the extra mile, do the hard work, embrace the messy. Um, you don't have to endorse it, but embrace it and invite that into your family because I think your family will be better for it. And those are just great words for all of us, even um, as parents, but even as the, the church family, to just embrace and welcome and love on them. Because I remember just a couple of months ago, we had a gal come into our church, new for the first time, had been in a very legalistic uh, church environment, was coming in shaking, didn't know if she was going to be accepted, told me right away that she was, was gay and wanted to know if she's going to be kicked out of the church. And, you know, how to have that conversation? No, I want you to sit here. And, you know, this is about, it's about grace and truth and, and love. And, you know, we are not the Holy Spirit in somebody's life. We're there to love Amen. them and to, and to just introduce them to Jesus. Because don't you find that so many people, it's not that they have a problem with Jesus, it's that they have a problem with the followers of Jesus who want to be Jesus in their life. And so... Yeah. Um, it's having those conversations to go, no, we, this is a place where your story is safe. And if we can get even our church family to surround people embracing that, um, we're, we're going to come a long way, like you said, to, the, to how the church really was created, to be the hope of the world and to love others and, and love God. So, okay, let's go back a little bit. Your, your journey, uh, you, you have the shame, you had the courage to come out, and here you are today leading this amazing ministry that is impacting and dealing with such a sticky subject. How has, how did you, how did the Lord transform your heart in this journey to bring you to this place today? Well, you know, it's all, it's for me all been about understanding the father heart of God and his grace and his mercy. You know, I, I came to a point very early on in, in my struggle um, and in, in my life that I realized God loved me no matter what. He loved me as a gay man. He would love me um, no matter what I chose or, or decided related to that issue. And because of that overwhelming, um, unconditional love uh, of, of the Father, um, that caused my heart to change dramatically, to, to pursue him and love him in such a way that I would be willing to give up anything that he asked me to give up. And I firmly believe that because he was willing and able to love me no matter what, that I was able to choose to serve him in a way that, that required sacrifice on my part, um, that required suffering on my part, um, giving something up that I didn't choose in the first place, giving something up that was difficult to give up, um, choosing celibacy in an area of my life um, that I felt like I was created um, to be. And so that was, that was difficult, but it was through his grace, his mercy, his compassion, his pledge to always be my father um, and to love me unconditionally as that father um, that caused me to, um, to be transformed. Okay, so how did you come to that? to know that God loves you unconditionally and that I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice these, you know, emotions and feelings over here because he's there for you. What, what, what happened in your life that you were able to really experience that unconditional love? Well, like I said, at one point I ran from the church, um, but as I was running, I found another church. I found a church that was different than the one that I'd grown up in. I found a church that was full of people that were different than the people that I grew up in, not to badmouth or point the finger at the church that I grew up in or the people that I, was, that I grew up around. Um, but at this, 
pivotal point in my life, I ran smack dab into a, a church that was different, a group of people who um, wore everything on, on the outside, who shared their stories very readily. They're very ugly, messy, in-process stories. And that allowed me um, to jump into a, a community of people that loved me for who I was and where I was um, and together decided that they would be on this journey with me toward um, a life of holiness. And and it was because of the unconditional love and support of this pastor and this unbelievable congregation that he was he was leading um, that really helped me to see God, Father God, in a way that I'd never seen him or considered him um, in the past. And through that really tangible um, expression of Jesus Christ and the Father heart of God through this, this amazing church, um, that's really how um, my heart began to be transformed. Was I, It wasn't just that um, I was seeing and hearing and experiencing Jesus and, and the Father heart of God in the Spirit, but I was experiencing it um, in the flesh through this amazing church that I found in my area. Well, and you, you are so right on when you say, because we learn best, and we really do need that community of believers for other people to go, me too, my story is also messy, I want to hear your story, they validate your story, they don't criticize your story, and that's what, that's what we're passionate about, even at our church and in our ministries, it's like every story is welcome, and it doesn't matter how messy, we're all in this together, and, you know, my messiness, your messiness, but it is about you know, the, like the Father heart of God. Okay, so how would you, um, we have life groups, small groups at our church. We have, you know, different ministries. What would you say to a life group that all of a sudden, you know, a gay man walks in and he shares his story? How, what was different about them that made you go, I, I'm, I'm okay here. I'm, I'm experiencing God's love through these people. How would you tell others how do you embrace these? Because it's going to be uncomfortable for some people. Even though they want to accept, it still is uncomfortable. Sure, and, and I get that, and, and gay people get that, honestly. You know, I, I think that, that what needs to happen is that we decide, hey, we all have our own stories, and would we rather have a gay or lesbian person come to our life group, or would we rather them sit outside um, and never dare to darken the door of a church um, that's going to offer them Jesus um, in, in a way that transforms their life, not necessarily transforms their sexuality, because again, we're not the Holy Spirit. That's not our, that's not our call to make. But I, I think the question is: Would we rather have someone on the inside, or would we rather keep them outside? And that's, you know, there's a um, a phrase that I just heard recently um, from a Presbyterian friend, and they talk about um, the communion table, and for people who are in sin or who are um, involved in certain types of things, they fence the table off um, and they keep people out and keep people away from the communion table. And I think for far too long in the church, we've we've put a fence around the church. We've put a fence um, or bars on the door of of the church, not willing to let anyone and everyone walk in. When that's not God's message, that's not Christ's offer to people. His offer is to anyone and everyone, to the least of these. Um, and I think that that's really how we should look at it in our life groups. You know, we um, have life groups at our church, and and the, this very topic comes up so often. What are we going to do when this person, um, not not if they decide to, but when they decide to come to our group, 
how are we going to respond? How are we going to react? And what we've decided to do at, at our church and what I encourage people to do at their church is to say, thank God you decided to darken the door of our church. Thank God you took um, a very risky step and decided to come be a part of our life group. We are so glad you're here, and you can be a part of this group just as much as, as we can be a part of this group. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. There's no stopping us. Join host Kaylin Amadio for Act Local, marketing for small business. Kaylin helps concerned, confused, and even clueless small business entrepreneurs market simply, safely, and successfully. Join Kaylin for some Monday morning marketing madness that will leave you with more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the Internet gives you the power to bring your business to the next level. Whether you need help with online media, social media, video, or mobile marketing for your local business, this marketing black belt will guide you into the 21st century with easy tips, tricks, and techniques that get your local business seen and heard. Each week, Kaylin will feature a new tip that you can use today, as well as a range of guest experts who are passionate about helping local business owners thrive. Act Local Marketing for Small Business airs every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. our show this day. Once again, we are talking with Alan Chambers, president of Exodus International. Alan, uh, unfortunately, we only have one more segment because I think this could be an all-day conversation, but uh, we we just wanted to find out, you have talked about um, when you're saying being a, a gay man. Now, are, do you still see yourself as a gay man? I don't. You know, for me, that is something that, that absolutely changed. While I do experience um, temptation or same-sex attraction or things like that, you know, for the last 18 to 20 years, 
um, what has absolutely changed in, in my story and in my reality is my identity. Um, I do not see myself as, as a gay man. So people will say, so you're ex-gay. I, I probably hate the label ex-gay more than anything because I don't believe that God defines us um, by a set of attractions or beliefs or desires. I believe he defines us um, in the only way that, that we see in Scripture as the righteousness of God in Christ, that I am a new creation, I have a new heart, I am a son, I am an heir, um, all of those things. And people say, so you're straight. Well, you know, I, I think we're so ready to put sexual labels um, and sexual trophies on our shelf, and I just am unwilling to do that. I am married. Um, the reality of my story is I have a wife that I treasure who I love in a way that I've never loved anyone else, who I am attracted to in a way that I've never been attracted to anyone else. She is the object of my affection, my desire. I love her more today than I did yesterday. Um, that's not everybody's story, um, you know, but that is my story. And, you know, I, I, I tend to simply call myself a husband, a father, the righteousness of God in Christ, and I skip the sexual labels. Um, and the sexual identities that really don't do anything to enhance my story um, as a believer. It is so true. We tend to, and no matter what it is, to label people and to label things. And we are so quick to put a label, slap a label on somebody or on something, because in our minds, everything has to fit in a category. And it's just so appreciate that conversation and just the, the education of how we how we even see ourselves and how, and then that projects to how others see us too. And you are absolutely right. It's not about am I X or am I pro? It's like I am a child of God and I live under the righteousness. And that's just a great distinction and that's a great conversation that we need to be aware of and having and not quick to slap those labels on. And that's right. We do that a lot, especially with this whole subject with the gay. We're so quick to do that. And did you say you had children? I do. We have um, a seven and an eight-year-old, um, eight-year-old little boy, seven-year-old little girl. And will what will you um, say to them? Will you explain? I mean, obviously, Daddy worked at Exodus. As <laughs> yes, right. Okay. Yeah, How you know, we will we will share this with them, and and every day, you know, that they have been. Um, um, as they grow, and, and even from the earliest time that they could understand words, we began having this conversation with them, not with gay and lesbian words or sin or any of those types of things, but just simply having a conversation about who we are in Christ and um, what it means to, to be a Christian. And so at, at seven and eight years old, you know, they are so much further along in their understanding of, of who God is. Um, and even who they are as, as little human beings um, than I was at seven and eight years old as a kid who grew up in the mm -hmm. church. And so this is a conversation we've been having since, since day one with them, just sharing our own stories in ways that are palatable and understandable to a seven and an eight-year-old kid. Um, again, without they have no idea what sex is. They have no idea what, what sexual labels are. So we don't have to use those those things. But at some point... Um, the the next progression to the conversation will be, hey, this is this is where Daddy's um, struggles took him. Um, this is is the life that I lived, and this is um, my reality today. And I think that they will they will say, oh yeah, um, that's that's uh, an easy um, uh, an easy step to take in understanding your story, Dad, because you've been explaining it our entire life. 
Yes, yes. What breaks your heart the most that you see in church on how we treat people that have same-sex attraction? Man, it's hard to limit it to one thing, but I I think (laughs) the thing that, that that breaks my heart the most is that we treat them differently. Um, that we see them differently than we see even ourselves, um, that we see their sin um, or their struggles or their reality um, as something that's greater than, bigger than, more egregious than um, our stuff. And I, I think, you know, if we're all honest, um, if there had never been uh, a gay or lesbian person, Jesus Christ would have still had to go to the cross and die for everything else. And I think when we think of it in those terms and we realize that there are these people who um, who God is crazy about, who are, are sitting in our congregations or in our families or in our neighborhoods or in the cubicle next to us that are desperate um, for um, a hug or a kind word or a kind look or, or, or you name it. When, when we realize they're no different than us, they're no different than anyone else, um, then, then we'll be more willing to love them um, in the way that they need to be loved. And I think that that's what breaks my heart is that we think they're different and that our hatred of their sin um, mm-hmm. it will help them in any way when really the truth of the matter is we would do really well to hate our own sin and leave it there. Mm-hmm. Well, it really is going back to who is Jesus and what are, what does Jesus teach and how do we, you know, if we really follow the teachings of Jesus and love others and, and treat them like he did, that's really what the bottom line is. It's not about all these, uh, you know, labels and rules and shaming and guilt and all that. That is not a part of, of who Jesus was at all. And if we can just go back to that place and go, this is how we treat people. And, it, and, it, and unfortunately, we have to retrain and educate people, especially in the church at large, on how what this looks like and how to have these conversations because they're having them, um, you know, in, in, in workplaces and every place else, but then when we come into the church, sometimes we either, like you said, it has to be a secret to somebody and they hide their secret or there's shame attached with it or or it's just a, a well, gamut of emotion. We produce this fear. I, I went to a Christian college and I remember my... Uh, a social psychology professor, he was fired from this particular university because he allowed um, a, a debate to take place where there were gay people represented there. I mean, and that was, in saying my age, <laughs> that was, whatever, 25 years ago. So we've come a long way in the awareness and allowing people to, to not have that fear, but we need to obviously go even further. I mean, it's crazy. Just even I was in the airline industry, and I I do think, you know, that's all when AIDS took place. There was just so much fear there, and when we educate people, and just like what you're saying, Alan, what breaks your heart the most, letting people just even know that, that our sin is sin, and when we embrace those that come in, which would you rather have, them sitting outside the church or, or being embraced inside the church? And I think that is so significant. Um. I even had a situation where and being invited to a wedding, and I know I'm getting into a controversial topic here, but 
um, having people not go to the wedding because we feel that, oh, you're, you're accepting this, this behavior. And uh, what would you say to that, Alan? You know, I, I don't think there's any um, blanket um, decision that I could say this is what you have to do. But what I encourage parents to do and what I encourage friends to do um, who say, should I go to this gay wedding that I've been invited to, my encouragement is if you can, yes, you should. Uh, my decision, you know, if, if my wife and I were invited to a gay wedding, we would absolutely go. And there will probably be plenty of invitations um, in the future that we'll have to, if we can, um, decide to go to because uh, these people are our friends. Um, we love them. And it, it, it's, it's not about whether we agree or don't agree. Um, it is about um, these, are, these are the people that we've chosen to be in relationship with, who we love, who love us, who would do anything for us and who we would do anything for. Um, and we want to be, um, we want to show them our, our love and our friendship. It's not about condoning or condemning or any of those things. It's about these are our friends and these are the folks that we're doing life with. Um, and if we're going to do life with them, we're going to take the messy um, with the clean and um, choose to be a part of, of all of it. And I think that that's, you know, for parents, obviously, that's a little bit more difficult. And it depends on, um, you know, there was a mom who, who called recently and, and she said, I, I, just, I just found out my daughter is a lesbian. And in the same moment I found out she's a lesbian, she told me she's getting married um, to her partner and they're doing it next month. She said, I, I'm a wreck. I'm, I'm crying all the time. She said, if I go to this wedding, I'm not going to be joyful or happy. I'm going to be a wreck, and it's going to ruin my daughter's day. And she mm -hmm. said, I don't want to do that. And she said, so I told my daughter, I love you no matter what, and if this was a year down the road, I would go. But a month into it, I just can't do it because I know I'll ruin your day, and I don't want to do that. And I think that we have to consider all situations and all scenarios and realize um, there may be an opportunity to go, and there may be a time when we say we just can't go. Um, and so I think we, we do that thoughtfully. If you decide as a Christian, I just can't do this, don't just say, no, I'm not coming. Take an opportunity to sit down with these people who went out of their way to invite you because they love you and tell them, you know what, I love you, we're friends. But at this point in my life, I just can't do it, and this is why. But I, I want you to know that the only reason I'm telling you this is because I love you. And I think when we go out of our way to go above and beyond and to really have a conversation and not just shut the door, um, then I think that we've done a, a service and extended the life of that friendship and honored that friendship in the way that Jesus would have us do. Well, again, Alan, we, we have to go. We want to thank you again so much for taking your time, for sharing your heart, for educating us, and really taking us to the heart of, of the Father God, of his, of his love. And it is so significant and to honor each other's stories, as you reminded. And just to remind our listeners that you are uh, the primary author of God's Grace and the Homosexual Next Door and Leaving Homosexuality. You can find out more information about Alan Chambers and Exodus International on our website and also by going uh, on his website. And, you know, we do learn best from stories. And we just want to remind you, your life, is significant and your story is significant and God wants to use each of our stories and it's important to honor each other's stories and live um, just under the grace and love of God. So we want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you again, Alan. And um, just thank you for the reminder. Have a great day.
Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show.